If you do any prospecting with LinkedIn, you have got to go get set up with Surf. That's S-U-R-F-E. It's a tool you can use to add new contacts to your CRM system directly from LinkedIn in seconds. I'm using it every single day. I add contacts, follow my deals, keep track of notes, and it ends up saving me a bunch of time on prospecting and outreach, which means I can spend more time moving my deals along. The data is always 100% accurate since I don't have to copy and paste all the fields over from each and every contact that I want to put in my CRM. Instead, Surf does that all automatically with just one click in about 60 seconds. The team over at Surf has put together a very special offer for fans of sales players. There's a link down in the show notes and you can use the promo code JWSURF5. Don't forget the E at the end of Surf. That's JWSURF5 for 5% off your first year. Don't spend another minute doing things manually. Go get set up with Surf. I've got another fantastic guest lined up today. His name is Asa Hawkhauser, and Asa is the VP of Sales, Vice President of Sales at Maga.io. And he and I got into a pretty in-depth conversation around the importance of your technology stack as a company and how that can impact your career as a SaaS seller. So we get into some of his frameworks for gap selling. He shares his background and story. Particularly interesting was his transition from being a sales contributor to a sales leader and just overall interesting conversation and a great resource for anyone who's trying to get some ideas for how they can better understand the marketplaces that they're selling in. So with all that said, welcome Asa. And we're live. Asa, welcome. Hey, what's going on? Great to be here. How are you, Jesse? Pretty good. I can't complain. I'm pretty wired today. Uh, I, I I got a you know nice double shot of espresso uh, from the coffee shop today because I had some other things related to my day job. I had to do a presentation, so I wanted to make sure I was like extra spry for that. Um, so yeah, hopefully that doesn't come mm. across too much in the episode. But I'm I'm energetic today. Uh, you know, some episodes I'm 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 on coffee, and other episodes I've been on bourbon. So today is one of the coffee ones. Um, but awesome, yeah, I'm I'm excited to to dig into you know your background, your experience, and then just to kind of set the stage for my listeners. We were just talking off air about you know your experience around the implementation of tech, uh, and whether that's Martech or sales technology. And one of the themes that I always or have talked about in previous episodes is sellers can kind of build their career on understanding the tools that their team has implemented for their success, because those all sort of tie into the bigger business success and revenue and some of those things. So I'm really excited to pick your brain a little bit on how, you know, both operators, administrators, as well as reps can think about, you know, their technology stack as their friend and, uh, you know, a secret weapon for success. But let's start with, you know, your background. How did you get started in uh, the technology business? Yeah, sure. So uh, once I realized I wasn't going to be a professional surfer or pro baseball player, or pro soccer player, um, I uh, <laughs> jumped into the sales world. My first job was in sales was actually pulling doors B2B, um, selling uh, phone contracts for a company called Bell South that's not even around anymore. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. 
Um, and then I got a, got a call to get my first inside sales job after doing that and employment advertising. And that's where I learned a lot about phone sales, right? Just kind of picking up the phone, making $60 a day, scheduling one appointment. And those appointments had to be in person, one oh, wow. in-person appointment a day. And, um, uh, and, you know, kind of transactional sales, one call close type deal. And then I, I just, I knew that I wanted to break into tech. And so at the time, like paid ads were all the, all the rage with Google ads and whatnot. So I was like, all right, I got to get into this marketing world. I applied for a job uh, as an SDR at a company called Ion Interactive here in Boca Raton, Florida. And I got the job. I was uh, super lucky, <laughs> but it was how I broke into to MarTech. And um, that company was founded by Scott Brinker, who's one of the MarTech pioneers right now. He created that uh, super graphic of all the marketing technologies over the years, oh. if you're not familiar. Um, so it was an awesome place to cut my teeth in the industry and work my way up to eventually become the director of sales there, overseeing a, a team of 10 AEs, 8 SDRs in the sales operations function um, until eventually we got acquired. And then just kind of built my career there. I was head of sales at a company called Linux Academy um, that was in the e-learning space, rocket ship, product-led growth. And then we yeah. eventually got uh, acquired by a company called A Cloud Guru, um, who was our biggest oh, yeah. competitor. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then after that acquisition, I landed at Magada.io. And so, uh, like I said, just been either selling MarTech solutions for a while or um, working on our own internal systems and, and getting our tech stack right. So our, my teams could be successful. Um, and now at Magad, what we do is we help companies choose the right tech, implement and integrate that tech, and then execute using the technologies um, full stack. R big focus on marketing technology, but it's becoming more and more um, of a necessity for uh, sales as well as product teams uh, and even customer success uh, to leverage the tech stacks that we're helping companies build. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things I want to go back to. I, I love that you said, you know, when was it, it was a surfer, pro surfer, baseball player and, and something else didn't pan out. Soccer. Uh, <laughs> soccer. Here you are. Cause for me, it was when, you know, a uh, front man of a rock band and, you know, professional biker didn't pan out for me. It was like, all right, what else can I do? Uh, and, and also for me, it was lawyer, uh, Dennis and a handful of other uh, ideas that I had. But I'm super glad that I landed in this space because, uh, and I'm sure you are as well, it's, it's fun. And this is really, I think, what my calling was. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you get to exercise a lot of different skill sets when you're working in sales. And one of the questions I had for you is it sounds like at a certain point you transitioned from being a contributor, being an AE to being a manager. I'd love for you to just quickly break down what were some of the things you did to, to assist in that transition and get yourself in a position where you were, uh, you know, promoted into leadership? Yeah, I think first and foremost, I surrounded myself with great people and specifically great leadership that had the vision and the um, desire to make those around them better. Um, and that's one thing that I think is super important is, you know, when you're looking for companies to join early on in your career, um, is it a place where they really have a growth mindset and they really are looking to build um, and, and help you grow your career? So just kind of being in that kind of environment early on with Ion Interactive, I think was super lucky, you know, and, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I was fortunate there. Um, you know, I 
also we, I was super passionate about what we were doing and, and kind of blazing, you know, trails. And even the job before that, when I was selling employment ads, the company I was part of, I just was really passionate about it. They really yeah. were able to get me fired up based on our mission. And because of that, I was able to um, just organically want to contribute in different ways besides my, just my, my sales role. So speaking up in meetings, coming up with ideas and ways we can do different things internally, whether that was on the marketing side, whether that was better onboarding customers, whether, you know, training new hires within the company. Um, I didn't realize I was doing these things, but because I was so passionate about the company and just wanted us to succeed and I had been there, started to got some time under my belt. I just started naturally doing that. And that was recognized by my leader who then eventually approached me about, this role that was opening up to run an SDR team, newly brand new position, um, had no clue I was being considered for it. But uh, yeah, she, she recognized that a lot of my um, uh, skills were, re- you know, really lent themselves well to, yeah. to management. And so, yeah, that's, that's where it kind of got started. I started running the SDR team. So I guess like to summarize, right, make sure you're surrounded around yourself with people that want you to grow, that support your right. growth. And then also, um, you know, act, act as if, right, be a leader um, before you have that leadership position, I think is kind of cliche, but it's so true. It's so funny you say that because I was just having a conversation with somebody who we were riffing on, you know, how, how do people break from, you know, how do you, how do you break down the wall between contributor and, you know, team manager and I've done it once before in my career, similar that I transitioned from being a seller into an SDR leader spot and did that for a while and then actually moved back to being a contributor. But that's another story for another day. Uh, but what I told this individual was, I said, you know, what I did, I mean, if, if I could just look back at my own experience, it was just what you said, which is you kind of start acting the part. I just started doing some of the things that a manager would do. And I knew what I was doing. I was like, look, this is what a manager would do. Uh, and then what happened is the, the, the individual who was leading the team quit and moved on to a different company. And everyone in the executive leadership was like, Hey, this Jesse guy over here, he's, he's already doing, you know, one third or whatever the percentage of managerial duties was. He's already like logging, you know, his own personal progress and he's keeping his pipeline really clean and he's keeping Salesforce up to date. But, you know, furthermore, he's like organizing some kind of a team huddle where he rah, rah, rahs everybody why don't we just make him the leader? And I'm sure it was something relatively similar for your path, which was, you know, you just, if you're already doing those things and you're already sort of acting the part, then eventually a spot's going to open up and, you know, all the eyes are going to fall on you and and everyone's going to say, Hey, this person has already been doing, you know, some percentage of the managerial duties anyway, they're an obvious choice as a, as a stretch manager. So that's awesome story. And I definitely appreciate you sharing that. Um, One question I have that I, I just want to clarify for my listeners because this is a term that a lot of people may not be familiar with, but outside of like hearing people shout about it on Twitter or something, but you, you mentioned product-led growth. Talk to mm. us a little bit about, you know, it sounds like you have a lot of experience working in a product-led growth role. And my understanding is product-led growth, the focus is less on, you know, sort of solution selling and it's more on the product, you know, customers or a prospect can land on the site and they can set up a trial uh, or a sandbox or some, you know, f- free or very low cost version of the tool. And then of course, as they expand, it's, it's kind of like Zoom, for example, if you're familiar with Zoom's model, you know, one or two people set up a Zoom license and then, you know, they keep adding people and it sort of compounds. And next thing you know, it's a million dollar a year Zoom contract, but that all happened because the product led the growth and not necessarily an AE driving that interaction. 
Um, that's how I understand mm-hmm. it. But I wanted to just take an opportunity since you've, you've got familiarity with the space. And since a lot of my listeners are probably looking at SaaS opportunities and they're being told, well, this is great. We got product-led growth. Uh, this is going to be, you know, shooting fish in a barrel for you. But talk to us about that experience a little bit. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely interesting. I think most of it comes from at my time at Linux Academy, which wasn't a ton of time, but I learned so much, uh, you know, in that position because it was a company that grew to, you know, uh, you know five figures, five figures, you know, it's, uh, wait, what is it? 50, you know, 10 million, 20 million, 30 million, uh, yeah, yeah. plus in revenue. Seven, eight figures. Lar- okay, cool. Yeah. Largely driven by, all right. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> largely good. driven, largely driven by, uh, uh, people just signing up, pulling out their own credit card and doing their thing. Um, but, uh, there, there was a huge opportunity because 10 people were coming from say into it, right. To learn right. the cloud is what we were sell- selling and pulling out their own credit card to do so. Um, obviously there's about a, po- a population of, you know, two to 5,000 people within into it that could needed to learn cloud as well right so yeah there's a huge opportunity there and you know i think the thing one one misconception is that you don't need salespeople for product-led growth companies i mean i think in right. certain certain instances yeah you, you don't need to have a salesperson involved i think of it really early stage like like you said when you're first just starting to dip your toe in the water with it but when you're looking to really maximize an enterprise license, a salesperson can really uh, come in and make a big difference. And so some of the things we did when we were at Linux Academy is we rethought about the way we were handling leads, right? Mm-hmm. So rather than just having um, focusing on marketing content, right? We were focused on much more on these uh, folks that were signing up for um, the license to use on their own. And then oftentimes there was time, most of the people were signing up with like a Gmail or yeah. you know these types of email addresses. So there was a big research component to it. We actually put one individual specifically on trying to map together these Gmail uh, licenses with people that were, uh, you know, actually working at, a large company with a bigger wow. opportunity and we would reach out to them and we'd have a very informal conversation like have a conversation have an sdr have a person call, reach out and learn about this person why did they sign up what are they trying to learn how is that you know is that tying back and then tying back to their company and then organically work to get that referral you know into yeah. a c-suite executive wow. and then you know we did have a, a an exec an ae and a lot of times a very seasoned enterprise ae kind of take over and build that account out and, you know, get it to, you know, seven, eight, mid, mid. Right. Right. The bigger, bigger whales. Yep. Um, No, that's a great clarification. And, you know, again, I think a lot of people probably hear the the term product led growth and they hear it on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever it is. And then there's of course that hot debate, which is, well, hold on, you know, do I need a sales rep or a strategic sales rep for a product led, you know, growth product? And it sounds like, you know, from your experience, absolutely. Uh, you know, the product led growth kind of gets them in the door, but there's still a whole strategy and, and process for scaling out that, that relationship. So yeah, I appreciate you clarifying that. Um, you know, another, another term that you threw out was MarTech and and maybe a lot of my listeners have heard of MarTech or are exploring companies that, that sell MarTech, uh, or service MarTech. Talk to us a little bit about that industry, uh, and, and what you know about it and how we can, you know, go into an interview or something armed with some understanding of that terminology. Yeah. So, 
You know, Mar MarTech solution is just, it stands for marketing technology. Um, so similar to most SaaS solutions uh, out there, what they're gonna do is they're gonna take something that a human is typically doing and make it a lot easier to do um, is where a lot of these tools, you know, got their, got their start in the marketing technology space. If you think about like a content management system, what does that do? It allows you to create a website with having to go without having to go in and actually code that site. So code free, low code, no code is a lot, mm -hmm. a term you'll hear a lot in oh, the marketing yeah. technology space, but there's, you know, 10,000 tools out there, right? So it's a very flooded market and there's, you know, something for everything you can do. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, you have your monolithic kind of big platforms, like uh, you'll look here tools like uh, called Marketo mm -hmm. or, um, uh, you know, Salesforce even has Salesforce Marketing Cloud built into right. it, um, right? And these are kind of all in one platforms and that's, one approach to take when you're thinking about MarTech is kind of get a, something that can do everything for you, but then you have also best in breed. And so that's why yeah. you see a lot of tools like customer, right. Come mm -hmm. out, right. That yeah. are very, very good at doing a specific thing and really focused on integration and how they can play within the ecosystem across other tools. And so then you think about like the best in breed point solution stack that is well, well uh, integrated so that you can get, um, you know, the best of, of all the different worlds without going, you know, the single platform. So there's two kind of two schools of thought there mm -hmm. as to and different companies based on your company size, you know, the culture, the people using the platform, uh, you know, the structure of the organization make a big impact on, on the direction that um, people usually take when selecting marketing technologies. Where do you get started? I mean, so let's let's put our our buyer hat on or our operator hat on, and I, I don't know if you guys have a demographic that you tend to serve. Is it startups or are you guys working with larger enterprises or or maybe all of the above? Uh, but but what typically is sort of the first system that that goes into place? Is it one of the bigger? Uh, did you call them monoliths <laughs> like a sales monolithic? Yeah. Cloud, monolithic. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's one of those bigger tools or if it's better to get started on something that might be you know a more simple to deploy app. Talk to us a little bit about that and and what you tend to advise your clients. Yeah, those you know the monolithic tools are going to be. Uh, expensive for sure. So um, yep. when you're looking to build out the stack, one of the first things that we uh, do is make sure that we're thinking about like, why do you need a tool in the first place? Start with the goals and the strategies that you're going to need to execute in order to achieve that goal. And then if necessary, can a tool actually do that in a more cost-effective and, and efficient manner for you? Um, if so, then, you know, then it probably makes sense to look at that tool. But if it's not mapping back to your goal, it's very easy to get lost in this sea of technologies out there. Yeah. So you have to really make sure you're staying laser focused on, on what your goals are and your objectives. And then, and then start to think about how are we actually going to achieve this? Um, and it might be that you just aren't ready for a technology to enable one of the actions that you are going to take, or you might be ready. Right? I think I like to think about like the, like if you think about how long it takes to do something and like what's the what's the cost of doing something, right? I think yeah. you can do a good uh, cost benefit analysis if it makes more sense to have a tool in place. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Um, what what resources do you tend to recommend for your clients to, to go and do some of the cost benefit analysis? Or do you guys have third party? On a recent episode, I was talking to someone about like Forrester and Gartner. Uh, do you have a preferred one? Or is there another like body of research that you tend to point people to, to, to go and, you know, look into like economic value and benefit? Yeah, a lot of times it's there. It's unique to the business, right? So when you're thinking yeah. specifically about marketing, you're usually tying back some things just aren't measurable, right? So um, from a, a results perspective, so you might just have to look at what is the resources that it goes into doing something. Like, what's the man hours? Do you have, um, you know, an expensive uh, mar- director of marketing or marketing manager doing data entry, right? So <laughs> that's not a very smart right. way to use yeah. that person's time, right? So Absolutely. Well, let's think about a way where we can automate that or even outsource it to mm-hmm. a more cost-effective tool. Um, but then on the results side, a lot of the, especially in MarTech specifically and sales tech as well, right? You, you're thinking about um, uh, revenue, right? It all comes back to revenue and like, what's the conversion rates uh, throughout, you know, the customer journey to get to that, to that paid customer. Um, so thinking about, you know, if you, uh, you can usually get stats from different vendors and, and kind of see what benchmarks are. If you implement certain solutions, now there's enough data out there to show, um, you know, you'll increase X amount, you know, if you implement and you can start to see how that impacts things like return on ad spend and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, the, the re- return that you're getting from the investment by increasing the um, results while also usually decreasing the inputs it takes to re- get those results. Interesting. Okay. And, and so you're working, you know, mostly in, in your role. And I think we talked a little bit about your, you lead sales at McGaw. Uh, mm-hmm. And you guys are, in, it's a consulting advisory for, for companies around implementing the right technology for their needs and, and building out, you know, an integrated technology stack. Is that a fair uh, assessment of what you guys do? I'll, I'll stop there. You're hired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, talk to us if, if you can, what are some of the go-to solutions that you're recommending for clients? And maybe you can't name specifics um, or, or there's not like a preferred partner, but if, if you can, I think it'd be interesting to hear what you guys, who, who you guys like working with and what's easy to implement some of those that, that you'd suggest starting with. Yeah. It's one thing that, uh, you know, it's agnostic, we're not agnostic as a company. So okay, um, cool. we work with lots of different tools and, uh, you know, we have some that we love and we uh, work a lot with, but, um, you know, we're open, right. And we, we think about how, what's best for the customer. Um, what we do see is a, a common trend. It's been like this for a little while, but I think people are really starting to understand the value of data and how to activate data. And so how do you collect data from all these different sources, get it into a place where you can actually manage it and then, um, and then use it, right. Get insights and then yeah. execute against those insights. So we do a, a lot of work uh, and seeing a lot of interest in the, you know, the customer data pipelines and customer data platforms, right? Infrastructure. How do we ensure that we're capturing data across all our different sources and being able to get it to the places where our sales and marketing and product teams can actually use it and then execute with the insights that it provides? Attribution, mm-hmm. being able to track where things are coming from and is how's it performing getting insights into the sales team's hands. These are all things companies are, are starving for, have known about for a long time. 
and are just starting to um, see the light, um, but they really don't know how to do it. And that's kind of why we're in business is kind of helping get those pipes set up and get the data to the right places so they can find the insights and, and use those insights to do, you know, effective outreach and things like that. Cool. Yeah. So it, what are some of the systems that you, what are your faves uh, if you can share? And, and the, the reason behind the question is, you know, I think a lot of my listeners might hear about one of these technologies and, and go, you know, pursue an opportunity to work for them. Or, uh, you know, if someone out there is evaluating how to get started, you know, maybe they, they come to Maga and say, Hey, this might be interesting. We need another perspective that isn't just going direct to that vendor. Uh, give us your list of like your five faves if you, if you can. And marketing or sales? Uh, do both. Actually, let's do so 10 total, five in marketing, five in sales. Uh, well, you got to have your CRM. I love CRMs because you have, it's a, it's usually your uh, source of truth for data capture um, and a lot of things. And it allows you to build out a really good funnel. You can also do that in a marketing automation platform. So CRM, I'm a Salesforce guy. I've been using it forever. There's a ton of new ones out there, which I'm sure are amazing and a lot easier to stand up and probably can get early stage companies going. And, you know, from a uh, going out and looking for a job perspective, you can get in on, on the ground floor with one of these companies, you know, yeah. could mean a huge opportunity opportunity and you know to help help that company grow um, if they have a good product market fit and they've kind of figured out something that you know salesforce mm -hmm. is, is just isn't good at right and they can carve out their own little niche so that's always cool but so yeah salesforce um, is a big one um, okay we're, we're always looking at marketing automation and we you know i came up with mark it was marketo pardot um, a company called Eloqua that's now owned by um, uh, oracle uh, right yeah oracle yeah yeah um so you don't hear about them too much, but now you're starting to see a lot of really exciting marketing automation platforms come up. I think customer is a marketing automation platform considered, right? It's like an email platform. Well, in -app, we're, in -app. we're heavily focused on customer support and you okay. know, managing contact center interactions. So we can do, you know, the omni-channel and, you know, we can kind of manage a whole 360 view of the customer, but it's more for use cases in the support department or the contact center. Uh, mm. I, you know, we do have some, you know, quote unquote outbound, I shouldn't say quote unquote, but just outbound capabilities and, uh, you know, some messaging capabilities through different channels and things like that. But it is more, uh, oriented towards folks that are serving customers and, you know, repeat orders and e-commerce and some of those use cases, mm. um, less on the like sort of marketing campaign side of things and more on the, you know, the contact center. Gotcha. And I'm okay. That makes disclaimer: I'm relatively new to the team at Customer too, so I'm also still coming up to speed on all that's possible. So if I'm getting anything wrong and my boss is tuning in, uh, let's <laughs> let's talk this Friday. Um, <laughs> but yeah, generally speaking, and, and that's kind of been my my experience. I'm curious too, also because I've been in the in the CX and contact center space now for uh, since about 2017 when I joined Medallia. And that was focused on sort of CX surveys. And then I transitioned into like CX messaging and support for the contact center. And one thing I've shared before in the past is I came from the contact center. Actually, before I got into tech, I was a, an agent in a call center. And so I really, you know, kind of found my niche here because I love selling to, you know, essentially the same demographics that I worked for as an agent. Mm, yeah. uh, so I'm curious if you guys do anything with CX. It sounds like you're pretty focused just on sales tech and MarTech. Um, do you guys do anything for ops or CX? Uh, yeah, it's a pretty broad term. I mean, in some way, shape or form right. across the customers, we might do yeah. something for sure. And that's the reality is when you have someone like Salesforce or Oracle or Microsoft that expands into all different kinds, like it, it is, it's really the sort of the core hubs, like 
Salesforce has aspects that are oriented towards managing sales tech and MarTech. And then they do have like, you know, Salesforce service cloud and, and there's like the whole developer aspect to Salesforce. So it really does, you know, like these big platforms, these, these monolithic platforms that we're talking about really do, you know, serve a lot of different purposes, especially in the enterprise, because if you, you know, are looking for something that can serve your customers from a marketing or serve your team from a marketing standpoint, but also manage, you know, contact records for your sales team, but also, you know, there's the service cloud and the development aspects to it. It is, you know, very tough to compete with for sure. Uh, these, these legacy systems. Yeah. So just real quick to finish off my, your answer, yeah, please. So like got, we have the marketing automation platform. Then we got like, there's customer.io autopilot braze. These are some more of the, uh, more modern, I'd say marketing automation type yeah. platforms that also handle the mobile side of things really well. Um, I love from a sales perspective, if your data is good in Salesforce, I love tools that can slice and dice data more than you can do in Salesforce with reports. So I've been a big fan of Insight Squared and tools cool. like Domo and things like that. Um, from a, a product like product analytics and exploration, um, Amplitude, Mixed Panel, these types of tools, really great to understand uh, your customer uh, at an individual level at, you know, and very deeply. Um, and, you know, I also love conversation intelligence. I think that's a game changer for insights, um, across the organization, gong chorus, um, wingman. There's a, there's a couple out there that, um, are growing up to behind those, uh, those, uh, few. Um, so I think those that's are six or those six or seven. That is a really cool space, by the way. And I just started using gong for the first time in my sales career. I had had chorus in a previous role, but we never fully deployed it. Um, so I don't, I can't speak to Chorus's product offering. I know it's very similar, but Gong is really interesting. And for me as a seller, I've never had access to this kind of, this level of data. And also the real hack is I can go and listen to my colleagues, d demo calls or discovery calls on my own time. I have, I downloaded the app. So I actually, for example, this morning, I took a walk and listened to someone else on my team. And again, I'm in training. I'm, I'm coming up to speed here on the product but it's super helpful to have access to that kind of intelligence right from my phone. Uh, it's a really cool space that I hadn't been exposed to prior to customer. I came from some smaller startups where we just, you know, we couldn't prioritize spending money on gong. It was just too early stage in the business, but I'm really enjoying having that as a tool. So good. Um, yeah. It's a game changer. It'll help you onboard like that much yeah. quickly, more quickly than, than it would have having to wait for someone to have a call that you can shadow. Right. Now you can just go listen to 15 calls in the first week. Yep. Game changer. Yeah. And then like, you can look at the context of the, like the actual insights of the call. So I can see, first of all, I think, I think it has like verbal fillers. So I can see how many times I say, um, or, or, or you know, and then I can see if I talk to the majority of the time, which is always a no-no in sales. You don't want to dominate the conversation and talk for 99% of the time and let the prospect get three words and you really want to have a nice, healthy conversation. And even better if the prospect sort of, you know, has maybe 60% to 40%. I'm not sure what their exact ratios are. Someone's going to undoubtedly correct me on what the, uh, the perfect uh, ratio between prospect and seller is. But all the mm -hmm. same, it's like really interesting to track some of that, that I hadn't really had access to that kind of uh, that level of insider. Or, or data before. What is uh, You mentioned Braze. I've heard of them before. I know at one point I tried to sell to them because I, I had reached out to their co-founder. Um, what does Braze do? I, I do hear their name a lot and it sounds like they're on the MarTech side of things. Yeah, they're a marketing automation platform, but they go beyond just email. They also help with, uh, you know, I think 
when you think about product led growth, they help with some of the things that help drive usage there as well, um, from push notifications in in app uh, messaging. Um, you know, so they go beyond. It's a little bit more modern when you think about um, a marketing automation platform. Your your role is interesting because you've got to be you know a an expert on all of these different tools. You're not just you know working for one software company where you just need to be an expert in your product and maybe a few of your competitors. But you really have to have, you know, so again, you've talked about, you know, three to five vendors in the MarTech, there's a bunch of vendors in sales tech, and then there's, there's other things too. You've got to have some perspectives on each of those industries and who does what and who might work best for who. Um, tell us a little bit about how, you know, let's say you're working with a client and I imagine you guys do some kind of like a business case where you start to ask, you know, you first do some discovery and ask some questions about the specifics of their business. How do you put those together? And, you know, again, knowing what you know about all these different categories and, and what these different tools do, how do you know what to choose? I mean, it just walk us through your business case process, I think is the, the core question here. Uh, Cause I think that's important for sellers to, to know how to structure a business case or uh, you know, a, a proposal that can, you know, make a recommendation confidently around something. For sure. So we do deep discovery. Like I'm a huge uh, evangelist that discovery is the most important part of the sales mm -hmm. process for sure. Um, I, uh, focusing in on like, what are they looking to achieve? What are the gaps to get there? Um, shout out yeah. to gap selling that's influenced <laughs> uh, my sales and a lot of uh, what we've put in place at MGA.io as well. And in previous companies also. Um, so really focusing on, on building that gap, understanding where they're at today, where they want to be and what do they need to do to get there? And a lot of times educating on what that is, they might not even know what that is. Right. Um, and then specifically to Maga, you know, there's different, when you think about the tech stack, there's two different types of, um, customers. We see one that's just getting started and looking to build something from scratch. And those scenarios, like, you know, it's typically going to be something like a marketing automation platform, some sort of analytics and a way to make sure that data is getting to the right places. And sometimes a CRM, right? Um, so, you know, we can come and make recommendations right out of the gate based on their team, like how, how mature are they or, you know, versus um, just get it really getting, is it a CEO versus a, a marketer that's getting in and using these things. So understanding the, the people allow us to go and recommend the right tools. We do have a, you know, a, a bag of tools that we like to recommend because they've been in the game for a while. Um, the thing with MarTech is you'll see is there's a lot of consolidation in sales tech. You'll start to see more and more. There's a lot of consolidation. A lot of companies just go out of business. Yeah. So we like to, we like to kind of watch the market and see like, what's a good recommendation over time. And so we've got been able to, you know, you know, figure that out and, and make recommendations there. And the flip side that you got the companies that are um, really a mess, right? They went out, they've chased every shiny object that they could once they, when all this explosion of technology started to right. come out, didn't really map back to their goals and objectives of what they wanted to accomplish. And now they're just costing them money more than anything. Um, yeah. So we do a lot of untangling there. And again, it's like starting with that discovery, what are they ultimately looking to achieve? And then from there, um, we'll usually have to do a deeper diagnostic, like really understand what's going on under the hood before we can make a recommendation. But once that's done, we're usually doing a lot of ripping out, a lot of wow. um, uh, adding, you know, where necessary. But a lot of it is rewiring and ripping out more than anything for some of these uh, companies that have just went went crazy when when and bought all these technologies and then they have a team turnover, right? People leave and now this mm -hmm. technology that they're spending $30,000 for is just sitting there and 
it's integrated and they don't know why or how it's, it can be really come messy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you need to really be able to uh, peel back the onion and, and see what's going on under the, you know, you know, throughout um, and then determine the best path there, but it's a lot and companies don't have time to do it. <laughs> so I get it. A couple of things I want to drill into here. Uh, so, so Gap, is Gap selling a book? My brain is so fried. I've been through, you know, Sandler and a handful of yes, other Yes, it is. Uh, okay. Gap selling is a book. It was uh, written by Jim Keenan. He goes by Keenan. Um, and uh, he has also a, a um, you know, he's a consultant and you can get him in person. He has online training, but yes, start with the book for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, yeah, I guess you could consider it a methodology. Um, yeah. You know, it definitely has strong structure to how you move a deal through through uh, the pipeline, and um, and you know has different components to it as well. Though it also, you know it talks about qualification and and kind of how you do certain things really well, like run a demo, run a discovery. Um, but you know the the methodology is gap, current state, future state. Where are they at now? Where do they want to be? And what does it have to take? What do they have to do to get there? And is even that future state, you know, yeah. going to provide the impact that they need to achieve achieve their goals? Sometimes people are just focused on the wrong things. So as a gap seller, you need to be able to understand them really, really well, understand their world, and be able to make an alternative recommendation if their future state isn't actually going to um, provide the impact that they need. I like that. I don't know that I've ever under, undergone any gap training. Um, it sounds kind of similar to like command of the message and challenger and value selling and some of the other ones, like it's similar concepts, but I like the, the gap mindset of like, what's the gap between yeah current state and future state. I've absolutely heard that like weaved into other, you know, kind of ad hoc trainings before, but that's probably a book I had to, I had to check into. So great, great recommendation. Um, 100%. One of the things I'm really curious about, and I, I asked this a little bit earlier, but I want to go even deeper into this because I think one of the skill sets for a great salesperson, heck, a great marketer, a great business person, and I'm a big advocate of saying if you're in sales or marketing, you really should focus on being a great business person first and then you know niche down into like honing in on this, those, those specific skill sets, marketing, sales, operations, whatever it is. So you mentioned that you're constantly doing research, you're, you're getting, you must be getting some kind of signals and I'm sure you have a really interesting process for how you're gathering Intel in the marketplace. Because like you said, you don't want to recommend a vendor that's gone out of business or, you know, flamed out because they were an early stage startup that would make you guys look bad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the same thread, my listeners are, are sellers on the front lines or their SDRs, and they also need to be keeping an ear in, in the marketplace because if they're reaching out to prospects and setting discovery and demo calls, they need to come armed to those conversations with some industry knowledge and you know more, more than anything, situ, uh, situational awareness on, on the marketplace. What are some of the tools you use to, to keep tabs on? Again, you're looking at several different markets, but maybe what are some tools a seller could use to keep tabs on their market? Yeah, for sure. So I, it depends, you know, it depends on who your buyer is, right. And what kind of your, what creates a, a buying signal for you. Um, for the things that I've sold throughout my career, technographic uh, signals have been huge for me. So when someone installs a certain technology that um, integrates with my technology and mine makes it better, um, or it's someone has um, dropped a technology that's my competitor. 
right? So staying on top of those things. I use built with at the moment. I used to use a tool oh, yeah. called Datanize, um, but they got scooped up by uh, Zoom Info and, and Discover Org. And um, yeah, it's just not the same tool anymore. But so I use built with, it works great. Um, and you can set up all types of integrations with your CRM to make sure that um, you're staying on top of signals and build reports and set up Slack notifications. So you can see when tools are getting added, taken down. You know, things yeah. of that nature and, and really build a whole outbound program and outreach program around that. That's super personalized, super relevant. So I love that for sure. I want to call um, out built with really quickly because some of my listeners may not be familiar with it. This is probably one of the biggest hacks in SaaS sales and marketing, I would say is built with. And my understanding is it's like one or two people that run built with from Australia uh, and I've been using them for years. I don't know who, who pointed me towards, towards built with, but if you're not familiar with who they are, they, uh, you know, basically can, can scrape, or I, I don't know exactly how they do it, but they scrape tags from essentially every website on, on the internet yep. and they can put together these profiles of what technologies are implemented, or at least from the tag standpoint. So they, they can't necessarily capture every type of technology. If you're selling something that's on the DevOps side or on the you know sort of backend or server side of, of the business or the tech stack, you may not be able to necessarily find uh, that particular technology. But for Martech, sales tech, anything that's related to the the website or you know would be tagged on the website like a chat bot or you know a something like Salesforce would possibly more than likely have tags on the site. You can go and search just the domain name and see what tech's in place for these companies. So if you work for a competitor, you can have that, that visibility and knowledge like, okay, so if you work for a competitor of Salesforce and you see Salesforce tags on their site, you know that they're using sales, Salesforce in some form or fashion. Uh, and then it's kind of up to you to go dig into how they're using it and, and you know, sort of craft your case for selling against Salesforce in this instance. And this spans mm -hmm. all kinds of cool widgets and apps. And you can go and get like a whole profile. And I think it breaks it down by like the site tools that they have to administrate their site and then like add-ons or JavaScript things like a chat box or something or a chat bot. So anyway, I just wanted to call that out because if, if my listeners aren't familiar with built with go check it out. It's free to start, but then you can pay, like you're saying for things like Slack alerts and some, you know, different signals that get sent to you and then you can pull lists and things like that as well. So this is one of, one of the big hacks I think in, in SaaS sales and marketing. Yeah, for sure. I'd agree. 100%. It was um, amazing when I learned about that. Yeah, I'd say also too, just making sure in SaaS sales, like making sure you're staying on top of your lists, right? The the Inc. Five Thousand, the Inc. Five Hundred, the Fast. You know, yeah. there's a, a bunch of them, but um, uh, there's a cloud one that's really popular now that you know, just gold mine of companies that are experiencing explosive growth that um are great outreach uh, potentials because they're usually um, hiring, expanding, have huge growth goals. Um, so good ones to go after for sure. Awesome. Uh, tell us, you know, kind of in closing here, we're, we're coming up close to time. I'd love to hear, you know, any final words of wisdom you have for operators, marketers, sellers, anyone out here listening to the show, what are some ways that you can jump in and, and maximize your utility of a tool or a SaaS platform um, or a vendor or whatever, you know, what are some ways that you can kind of streamline your learning and, and usage of, of, of these tools? 
Yeah, so I would say it starts before the tool. Um, so make sure you're understanding what you're trying to achieve. So um, let's just use like a sales engagement platform, like an outreach or sales loft, for example. Um, before you touch that thing, you need to make sure you understand the buyer and how you're going to be uh, actually resonating with them um, before you go and accelerate your activity, your calls and your emails. So right. um, yeah. that's that's step one, right? Is make sure that you understand like, what is the outcome that you need to achieve and how can you be successful using that tool doing it and make sure you have that really buttoned up before you start to accelerate that's great. it. Um, no, that's fair. I think second, you know, you take the time to learn it. Most of the tools have the, have the, um, have the, you know, knowledge bases and whatnot right. to, to get you in there. I believe that whoever's purchasing that tool needs to make sure they're doing upfront investment and learning about how they're going to enable their team to be successful with it and be supporting the team in doing so. Because the, a lot of times tools are going to change workflow. Um, so you have to understand how it's going to impact workflow and understand how that uh, workflow, what kind of workflow works for you, right? Every person likes to work in a different way. So the only way you're really going to understand uh, workflow is you know how you can weave something into your workflow is to understand it backwards and forwards, right? So you just got to take the time to, to play around with it and, and find all the features and, and make it work for you for sure. Cause um, you know, one person can use something different, uh, completely different than the next. But um, yeah. I do believe that there should be some strong enablement up front from an organization. If they're making you use a tool, um, then they should make sure they're putting in the time to make sure you're going to be successful using it. And it works into to how you do your job. Yeah, hundred percent. Where can my listeners get in touch with you or Maga if they're you know interested in in learning more about your services or they want to connect and talk to you about all things you know tech and enablement and those sort of things? Yeah, anyone can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Happy to connect and you know have a conversation there. I'm just don't put me in your automated uh, pitch <laughs> sequence. And then, uh, you know, yeah, yeah I definitely recommend checking out Maga.io. Uh, there's a bunch of free resources around technology there, MarTech, Sales Tech. There's a stack builder. You can put in your own uh, domain and build out your own tech stack. It's powered by BuiltWith. Um, and there's a free book uh, called Build Cool Shit. You can go and down, uh, you can actually request a hard copy of the book to, uh, on how to build the modern tech stack. Build Cool Shit. I like that. Uh, yep. I will post a link for everyone listening. I'll post a link to Asa's LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And then of course, a, a link to the build cool shit downloadable. Um, Asa, thanks so much for coming on. Anything else in closing that you care to share with the listeners out there? I think they've heard me talk enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Jesse. Absolutely. That's the, that's the show. Thanks Asa. All right. Cheers. 